Welcome everyone to another edition of Recounting Encounters. Again, our tech guru, Mr. Mark Talbot, is not available to join us this evening, so we don't have all the bells and whistles and our fancy intro and all that jazz. So uh, with me tonight is Craig, as always. Craig, welcome. Boy, hello. Well, hello. Um, and uh, as always, I'm Derek Myers, and uh, we are going to talk to you about D&D Public Play, D&D Adventures League, and... I guess we may need to think of a new name for our podcast, Recounting <laughs> Encounters, since we don't do encounters anymore. But we, I think we said that at the beginning of the last one, too, when we didn't have Mark with us. So. Yeah, true enough. Whatever. He's holding us back! Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> Not like he listens to these things. He won't. He'll never know. Let's trash talk. No. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what you do when people aren't around. We're bad that way. All right, so uh, we are into the full swing of The Curse of Strahd, the new season of D&D Adventures League. And we are into uh, the second month of play. There's a whole bunch of new adventures that are available. Some people are playing through the hardcover. Some people are playing the adventures formerly known as Expeditions. And a whole lot of people are playing Death House, the launch event. So, uh, Craig, I know that your group, you, you and I have both had a chance to run Death House. We certainly have. And I ran it with a very small party in a very short uh, time slot, so it was very compressed and very fast moving. Uh, now I know with your group though, you had a lot of players and you played it over uh, multiple sessions, and absolutely. there was absolutely no rush to finish it. Yep, exactly. So, I said we're going to take our time with this. So yeah, so let's talk about it a little bit. I think why don't I give you the lead on this because I think you're going to have a lot more detail to go into than I will, and I'll sort of jump in as uh, as I have two cents to add, and we'll go from there. So tell us about your experiences with Death House. Indeed. So Death House, it is, I had a great time with it. I thought it was awesome. So I, when we first got it, it, so the big thing was it came out, it was supposed to be a retail store exclusive. It was going to be the launch event, but then they went ahead and put it in the Dragon Plus magazine for free, which we'll, we'll come to that part later. But um, uh, so what they did instead, uh, in order to give the retail stores something a little special, they made three of the items in there, magic items, and had unique magic items, and they had uh, certificates. So if you wanted to get that stuff, you had to play it at a, a retail store. Uh, but Wait, let me jump in for a second. Yep, yep. Anyone listening to this podcast who plays at a store and or has played it at a store and who has not received certs, magic item certs, uh, the way they are being distributed has changed. Oh, good point. So if your store doesn't have them... Uh, have the store reach out to the Adventurers League. They want to reach out to their local coordinator or their regional coordinator, and those uh, that information is available through the Adventurers League website. They have a wiki page, and all the names are listed. Worst case scenario, if you have absolutely no idea who you need to reach out to, you can contact me or you can contact Craig. I'm the regional coordinator for Canada East. Craig's a local coordinator here in the Greater Toronto Area. Uh, both of us uh, can put you in touch with whoever you need to be in touch with, assuming it's not one of us already, and we can arrange to forward the information to your store with the appropriate passwords and instructions on what they need to do to get the certs for you. So, uh, public service announcement, if you've played this in a store and you haven't received certs, uh, that's what you need to do. Now, if you play it at home, which is perfectly legal for Adventurers League, the certs are not available. They are a special perk for in-store play only. So, Craig, I turn it back to you. Indeed, indeed. Well, anyhow, uh, regardless of how you're playing it, it's it's great. 
So first and foremost, Death House is actually in the hardcover book. It's a sort of separate adventure as a sort of way to get the players into Barovia and into the, uh, the Ravenloft setting, and a little thing to give them a little boost because it's a one to three scenario. It's sort However, of like, sort of like, sorry to interrupt. It's sort of like the um, Prince of the Apocalypse, right, where you had the red large stuff. Yeah, that's exact. That's a perfect example. Uh, it's it's not as uh, as lengthy as that because that one I think lasted. Yeah, that was longer. a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. looks like this it's about like uh, 10 pages or so. And yeah, it's, it's, it's part of their new B. thing. Yeah, Appendix yeah. B in the back of the book if you've got the hardcover. It's part of the new thing of, of having, uh, since they don't have the encounters and expeditions as we as we knew them before, uh, this is something, it's just something new. It's going to be like a launch event. And I think every season going forward is always going to have a launch event scenario that's supposed to, now they say this one's designed for about 16 hours of play. That, I, I, I can't imagine how anyone's going to take that long going through it, but uh, you'll you can get eight hours out of it maybe if you yeah. really really get detailed with it. But uh, but yeah, I mean in general it's 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 a nice adventure scenario that could take you a few weeks to get through, but it's not going to last too much longer than that. Correct. Yeah, and so just to comment on that, um, the um, the timing, the group I played with, we compressed it into about uh, probably between four and five hours. We only had four people in the party at the beginning and one guy had to leave early so by the end we only had three players and because there were so few bodies at the table we were really able to whip through a lot of it more quickly and I obviously had to scale it appropriately for such a small party which made some of the encounters a little bit easier for them but uh, you know if you've got the time and I'm sure as you're going to describe in a minute Craig there's a lot of good stuff that you can really have fun with if you are not in that time crunch. So I think the shortest you would ever want to consider running it is probably, I would even say probably a five to six is probably your your shortest time you're going to be able to get through everything. Uh, but yeah, there's I can't see any scenario where it's going to take you 16 hours. No, no, I don't think so. 10 seems to be about a comfortable number. 10 to 12, three to four, two hour sessions, two and a half hour sessions. That seems to be the norm. Yeah, and some of that might uh, depend on the experience your players have had with D&D, right? So, uh, but anyhow, uh, this, uh, like I said, though, I think this is a great uh, session. It's 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 kind of like, it's basically a mini dungeon, but essentially the idea is that it, it wastes no time. It gets you right into Barovia right away. It really just kind of sets you up with you, the characters are in whatever setting. In Adventures League, you're in the Forgotten Realms. The characters are camping out. They can have whatever backstory they have. For whatever reason, they're camping out, waiting to uh, you know, get on to the next adventure. When they wake up in the morning, they find that uh, the scene around them has completely changed, and it's uh, very misty around them. So if you know anything about Ravenloft, uh, you know that the mists have now transported them into uh, one of the realms of... Uh, of Oh, sorry, the domains of dread, and uh, this one in particular because they're concentrating on the classic Ravenloft. This is going to be in Barovia, so everything is Barovia for for this season. Uh, but basically, from there, the characters now the characters are kind of forced along a path at this point, uh, just to get them into the house. Uh, basically, they approach the town of Barovia, and they will come across a, a couple of strange-looking children that will get their attention, and essentially the mists just kind of close around the characters, sort of forcing them into the house. Now, how did you deal with that, Derek? Because you, you said you ran it pretty quick, right? Yeah, and fortunately, the people who were playing at my table were all experienced players, guys who DM from, from time to time as well, um, and all of them were familiar with the 
the original Ravenloft modules, not that they'd all played it, or the, the setting, the campaign setting. So there was a lot of understanding of how Ravenloft worked. And knowing we were going to be in a time crunch, I sort of said, I said to them, like, I'm going to fast forward through some of the things to, you know, where I think that in a, for new players, there would certainly be a lot of value. But I said, since you guys sort of know what's going on and have that, that um, context already, I said, I'm going to skip over some of it. So the intro, I, I, I basically just read the stuff and I said, this is what happens. Your characters arrive, they go here, the mists, rah, rah, these kids need help. And you realize you need to go into the house. And, and then they took a little bit of time sort of cautiously exploring the outside. And then when they realized they needed to go in, uh, and by then, like they, they did a little interaction with the children. So they got the idea of why this was important. And then they, they cautiously proceeded into the house. And from there we moved on, but I didn't spend a lot of time with, with, um, you know, yeah, going into all of that stuff. Whereas, That's... had I had new players, though, I would have. But it's if I had had new players, given the time, I probably wouldn't have run it, or I wouldn't have intended to run it just in one slot. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's essentially what I did as well. Good. Again, my, my my table was full of uh, experienced players as well, so I was uh, I was lucky in that regard. So I was able to just kind of set the scene for them and get them to, to the good stuff, essentially, right? Because I mean. There wasn't much to talk about with them following the path, and I didn't want to have a thing where they were trying to explore the rest of Barovia. I, I even described it to them, to their characters, just to justify the rest of the... I mean, Death House itself looks kind of like a run-down home, but I figured the whole village looks like this. The thing that sets Death House apart is that you have these two children that are asking for help, and uh, you also have the mist that's kind of starting to... to to coalesce around everyone. So, uh, essentially, yeah, the kids. Uh, so it's Rose and Thorn, and um, they're they're strange, creepy little children, basically, and, and they're they're afraid to go back in the house because there's a monster, and their their parents keep the monster in the basement, and they want someone to go in to deal with it. So, most characters are going to know right away that there's something funny going on with this, this whole thing. The way the kids act is just a little bit strange, and they they don't want to go back in the house. So, but you know, fair enough, the children. They want help, so let's go check out this house so the first thing the characters all come in they have their weapons out they're ready for fight but nothing literally the first two floors of this house and this is uh this house is three floors uh tall and then an attic on top so right from the get-go they first thing they do they, they come in they go room to room ready for a fight nothing 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 uh they're looking for the basement because they you know the kids are telling them that the the monsters in the basement no sign of a basement now the thing is as written uh, they have a, a lot of really cool things, like a lot of cool details, and actually there are a lot of little Easter eggs in there to sort of drop hints at later on in the hardcover book, because this, this particular adventure is meant to tie directly to the hardcover book. But um, but beyond that, there's, uh, there's really not much going on. Uh, we had actually, I think, Derek, I think you're the one who sort of pointed this out to me, but someone on the forums who had run this uh, had suggested... You know, adding your own sort of haunted house elements and, and things like that to get the, keep the characters sort of on edge. So that's yeah. the way I ran it. Anyway, was that, you know you hear a whisper or, or whatever, or sometimes you would see, you you see someone walk into the next room and they run in to go see who it was and there's no one there. Yeah. Or they hear a conversation in the next room. They're like, okay, let's open it up, expecting a fight. They open up nothing and the voices go silent. Right, like just that kind of thing. Or footsteps upstairs, and all that kind of stuff. Because like I said, the first session that we had with it. They did the first two floors. They had no combat encounters at all, and it, but it was a lot of sort of haunting phenomena. And like, it sounded, if I were to describe it, like you know, in very 
explicit detail about what we did, it would sound very boring. But the table had tons of fun with it just because they were finding all sorts of little things and it sort of challenged everything that they expected from a public play D&D game. I think that there's just nothing here so far. Now, at the very end, on the third floor, there is a an animated suit of armor that uh, is, is at the landing that will attack if you, I believe it's if you come within five feet of it. And that's, on our first session, we ended with that, where suddenly the attack came and that that's where we cut it. So everyone was like, it was kind of like this release of tension that, oh my god, finally something is uh, is attacking us. Like we knew something creepy was going on. So, but from there, basically for the characters, it kind of goes downhill. Um, now, how many sessions did you take to complete it, Derek? We did one, but we did it all in one sitting. Like it was, it ran almost five hours. Oh, okay. Uh, so again, though, we were at the, we were at a convention and well, we great, had a four-hour slot, but we knew we could go a little bit farther over. And I told them right away. I said. It's going to be tough to get through it all unless you let me sort of fast forward through some things, and they were all okay with that. Um, but yeah, in retrospect, I think you know I might have had a better. I definitely would have had more fun with it if we had had more time. But yeah. I certainly was able to uh, uh, you know sort of identify the best of and make sure yeah. that they got um, you know to do that. So like to your point, the first two floors um, there there are no monsters. It's just exploration and setting the mood, and the guys sort of picked up on that pretty quickly that hey you know there doesn't seem to be a lot here it seems to be the house messing with us so they started running through the first couple of levels uh like um pretty quickly and i didn't discourage that because i knew that sort of the meat of it was going to be when they got up to that third floor and sure enough that's exactly what happened and with their smaller party they ran into a couple of of uh you know combat situations and they were really uh really overmatched even with scaling it for a party so small but they um they eventually realized that this could be a deadly uh, you know a very deadly haunted house and from that point on they were a lot more cautious yeah no in that certainly caution in death house like i mean that has really lives up to its name in this case now uh so how do you how do you want to deal with spoilers so some people might not have played it yet so potentially you're not going to want to listen to this um, if if you don't want to be spoiled on it, but inadvertently we're not going to have any choice, basically. Yeah. So I, I don't want. To, we don't need to go into excruciating detail here for every little thing, but just essentially, you know, the way we played it was like the next uh, session I had, we did another couple floors, which was the third floor in the attic. But that's when you start to run into combat encounters, and then there's this sort of side story with the nanny and and stuff like that, and then you know, yeah. there's a, a door I, that uh, causes some issues for people. Yeah, so let's let's. Uh, I don't think we're going to be able to talk about it without spoiling some details. So mm. let's just put it this way: if you haven't played it yet, and you intend to play it, and you want it completely unruined, no problems, this is about the time where you should stop listening. Yeah. And join us next week when we're going to talk about new Ravenloft modules, which we will probably ruin for you as well. But <laughs> check in and see what we're talking about next week. So uh, at this point, then we'll move on with Death House, and we're going to definitely reveal some spoilers yeah so and like i said we don't need to go into excruciating detail or anything but uh really there is some really cool encounters there at least i found that that's the way that i felt because our table had a great time with it um the suit of armor you know it's it just sort of a standard encounter but once they got in there's the room with with where they, oh, oh my gosh i can't was it a suspected the, the wraith i think it was a wraith yeah i think it was a wraith yeah yeah it was a wraith but these you got to keep in mind these are all level one characters you have to start as level one and this is a, <laughs> a wraith that is just decimating the party. Now, 
There's also a couple other things like in a closet. There's an animated broom that comes to life. It's not such a big deal. It's more kind of fun. But and then you have this wraith, uh, which is just this horrifying situation where it like. And when I was playing it, it it, it knocked a bunch of characters out and killed one outright. But we had a wizard hiding in the back and uh, using magic missile, and that that was quite a bit of help. But he they burned up all the resources taking care of that thing, and a bunch of them died and in Ravenloft there's uh, you know in Adventures League you have your factions that can resurrect you free of charge level 1 through 4 um, in this case though in Ravenloft the factions don't exist in Barovia so the the way around that in this uh, season is that the dark powers the, your soul is always trapped in Barovia you're not able to leave but the dark powers of, uh, of Ravenloft if you know anything about Ravenloft the dark powers will grants you life again, but you come back with certain um, interesting characteristics, uh, which I'll, you know, that's something I don't want to spoil. Yeah, I, don't, I was going to say, don't spoil those, because yeah. those can be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's it's tons of fun, so you, you are able to come back, so that still exists, they have covered it, and it's in a very cool way. Um, so if your character dies, don't worry, I suggest going full in and uh, seeing what happens. But basically, uh, you know, they all came back and they realized at that point, holy crap, this is, this is going to be... A little bit more of a slog than uh, than we had anticipated. Um, you get up into the attic, and then you find the uh, essentially you find the corpses of the two children who are outside. And uh, well, that's a big spoiler. Is if the if the players haven't already picked up on it, there was definitely something weird about the children initially. And you find out that they're actually ghosts. They're undead, yeah. and you find their remains in this. I guess it's like the toy room or something, or the, yeah, yeah, well, it's, play it's, area. It's, it was like the children's bedroom. They were locked in there by their parents. It's actually really, really dark. If you if you if you're the DM and you're reading the backstory on this, it's actually quite dark. This uh, yeah, the backstory behind this. But uh, but yeah, no, absolutely. The it's the, the the children now. The real ghosts are also in that room because the ghosts outside are actually part of the house. Right. That's the house attracting people in to to have them killed. But um, but the the real children are in there. However, those children also try and possess you if you leave. So watch out for them but the thing is with the children is uh that's the way to find the the uh the basement so at this point in the attic my characters were like where the heck is this basement were those kids just lying to us there's no basement here <laughs> we're in the attic and they even joked when they're on the third floor i guarantee i'll bet you it'll be the entrance of the basement's in the attic <laughs> and in the back of my head i was like oh little do they know it is yeah <laughs> but uh, you need to sort of have that interaction with the children to to really figure that out and uh, once you do, there's uh, sort of this. If you're looking at the map, there is this one particular stack that goes up through it. The whole house it looks like it could be like a chimney or something like that, but really it's a, a staircase that runs down the entire length of the house and further into the ground. And then below there, you have sort of a crypt. And uh, down there, it's very deadly. So there's yeah. tons of stuff going on. Now, okay, so let's back up just a little bit. As you already mentioned, this adventure is designed for brand new level one characters zero experience points and normally the adventurers league you have to play everything based on your experience points you're not allowed to use milestones the way this adventure has been presented and written it works using a milestone system and the adventurers league has has already ruled on it that for this adventure and this adventure alone the milestones use them as they're written in the book so the first milestone is when you complete searching the attic so yep. you do the it's, it's All the specifically, four floors, yeah, you finish yeah. up, and you find the secret passage, and then before the characters are ready to proceed, they hit their milestone, they level up from level 1 to level 2. Now, 
at that point when I ran it, again, I had a small party and we were pressed for time. I gave them the benefits of a long rest, even though they had no intentions of staying overnight in the house. And I have to think that was the intent when the adventure was written, because as you said, there's a wraith and a few other creatures that they are more than likely to have to fight uh, in the house, in the upper floors. And at first level, it takes everything they've got to not get killed, and you'll still probably have some of them get killed. So, you know, to maximize the fun, for me, I gave them the benefits of the, of the long rest, and it still <laughs> didn't really help. But yeah, had I uh, not, they would have been crushed like two minutes into the basement. Yeah, the, the basement is pretty brutal. Yeah. There's, uh, I mean, there's, there's, it's pitch black, so hopefully someone has a source of light, unless they all have dark vision. Uh, in my case, we had two two party members that did not have uh, dark vision, so they did have to rely on light as well at some point for for them to see. Uh, but essentially, yeah, it's it's this really sort of tight, cramped uh, corridors down there, and um, you know you find the crypts that have the uh, the bodies of a uh, of the parents, and then you also find a couple of empty crypts and things like that. But the thing is, there's lots of uh, Nasty little surprises down there. Lots of undead uh, things going on. But one, my favorite one in particular is because I had a character who, who he kept using detect magic, like basically the, throughout the entire house, and he was not detecting any magic outside of like anything to do with the with the you know with the animated broom and stuff like that. But but like in terms of finding any kind of magic items, nothing, nothing, nothing. But they got to this one room where there's a, a statue. It's now the statue is of Strahd. Um, Characters don't necessarily know that you describe it, but it is of Strahd holding an orb and with this and a statue of a wolf at his side. Now they get into this room and this character finally sees that this is a magic item in his hand, and I can't remember what what school of magic, but whatever. Um, so he walks in, but our cleric is de- trying to detect evil or, or detecting undead, and he was able to tell that there is a very strong presence in the room. That there is definitely something undead something evil it's it's he had a bad feeling about it oh because nothing was uh apparent to him right there like you couldn't see anything um but this other player's uh greed took over he's like well i don't care i'm taking the orb and as soon as he takes the orb i, I believe it's five shades or five shadows sorry yeah uh, i want to say shadows but yeah, yeah it was it's shadows. a bunch of them it's five or six. and they it's won't they won't interact with you in any harmful way unless you touch the orb you don't just have to yeah. touch it you touch it whoosh out they come so it's like it's a total greed trap and every party I've talked to who's played it somebody eventually takes the bait and yep. touches the orb especially if they do that detect magic they're like oh man this is the first magic yeah. item we found we're totally taking it and if you got a wizard who's like yeah I can totally use an orb I'll tell yeah. you, when he got into that room, I, and I knew he was trying this detect magic everywhere he went, and I was like, oh, he's going to totally see it, and he's not going to be able to resist. And sure enough, he's like, oh my god, finally, a magic item. I'm going to snap it up. So it, it actually led to quite a difficult situation. I believe we had another player death at that point as well. Yeah, it's it's a tough encounter. It certainly is. Um, but then, you know, eventually there's an even deeper level of the, uh, of the mine. Or sorry, the mine. It's not a mine. It's a it's a crypt. Dungeon crypt. Yeah, yeah. dungeon crypt, whatever. Uh, they get to the, the, the lowest point, and then in, inside you find sort of it's, – it's not as big as the one above, but essentially it's it's sort of the um, the apex of everything where there's a room where these 
where there's like an altar in the middle of this pool and it, you can see blood splattered all over it and you can hear this chanting and when they get if the characters get on the altars suddenly the ghosts of these uh, of these cultists sort of appear and they keep demanding some sort of sacrifice so the players have to decide how they're going to react to this at this point um, so without I, I'm not going to give away how this happens but basically my the, my characters ended up disturbing something that uh, they shouldn't have and it led to a very difficult uh, encounter that which killed yet another character and um yeah once they once they resolved that situation it was again this was this was whatever and assumed this is the big finale of of death house so after that had all resolved now there is also another magic item down here but they didn't Explore this area. They just went right for the the room that looked to them to be the the obvious uh, place to go for a finale type of situation. Yeah. Uh, but as soon as that happens, it's it's essentially the house is starting to. It's almost like it's an earthquake or it's it's about to collapse or something like that. So the characters have to actually leave the house. And this I found to be extremely difficult. Yeah. We did we did not play this last part out room by room but essentially you have to go back through the entire house however every single door in the house had now becomes this like swinging scythe trap and if you don't make a innocent i think it's a rather high for like level two characters uh dc check but it's a dexterity check to get through or else you take massive damage now there are potential other ways you could try and break through walls and things like that but literally you have to go down through three you know stories worth and you have to you and you have to go through some doors at least. We had these characters going through. We already had a couple characters unconscious too at this point from the finale encounter. So we had the characters all like carrying a body with them. <laughs> <laughs> but now these guys had all decided because we we knew we were going to play suits of the mist next, and you have to be level one or two. And these guys were going to be level three if they finish this. So they said we're going to we're probably going to retire these characters at the end or you know whatever. So they all agreed no problem some of the characters used <laughs> used the body as a uh, as a shield to try and get advantage on getting there the oh, so i'm like all right you get advantage on it but um you know if uh there's a potential chance that your your buddy there is going to to get it and sure enough a couple of the uh of the shield bodies got now we had a one player that made every single now what i did instead of going through every single room because I, I just <laughs> it was a lot of work and we were kind of close to the end and i didn't want to save it for the next week i just made a i kind of treated it like a skill ch challenge per floor yeah uh, like from fourth edition and we just kind of did something like that and we just kind of narrated and described and we talked about some of the rooms that they remembered and, and really liked and stuff like that right so um and yeah we did a, a few checks one of the players actually i think two of the players got out fine and the rest of them all got uh, diced up <laughs> so <laughs> indeed <Yeah>. so <clears throat> your group like we said obviously spent a lot more time going through it than mine did my group still even though they were small they wanted to explore uh, all the areas of the dungeon in the crypt and they did a very thorough job uh, because there's a lot of rooms that are empty or yeah. empty of of monsters per se um, but there's a lot of stuff to find out uh, a lot more in the way of well what's going on who's in the house what's the history so they found all of that stuff and that they were very satisfied because it was completing the story for them they weren't as concerned about like oh let's find all the monsters and kill them um, although there's one area of the dungeon where there's a series of booby traps, and that that was the most devastating thing they they had in a long time. It it 
it really was hard for them to get past that. They did, but it was a lot of lucky rolls at a critical times in order for them to get through. Uh, one other thing I'll mention, again, trying not to spoil it, there are some monsters and booby traps that seem to be sort of arbitrarily put in certain places of the dungeon. I've been reading online on some of the forums that because the module has been made available for free through through the Dragon Plus, a lot of the players have it, and a lot of the players have read it, even though they're playing it now. And as we know from experience, some players have real difficulty separating what they know from what their character knows, and suddenly they're not going through the third door, or they're taking a big step back when they're going down this hallway, and it's like, come on guys, like get real. So, for DMs out there who are planning to run Death House, uh, if you want to make some adjustments by maybe shifting around some of the uh, the dangers, uh, maybe moving, you know, if there's a, a say, a, a door or a chest that is booby-trapped and you want to move it to a different door or a different chest somewhere else in the dungeon that makes sense, that is 100% allowed and legal. Um, not to mention, it will also, you know, demonstrate to people who've read the mod that maybe you're making some adjustments. So um, keep that in mind as you're running it. You want to make sure everyone's getting the maximum enjoyment, and you certainly don't want to um, allow a player who has read the mod to have an unfair advantage. So, you know, I'm not saying take out a ghost and put in a dragon. I'm just suggesting that in some cases, some of the monsters and some of the dangers really could fit in any one of a number of rooms. Maybe just move it from, you know, room number 20 to room number 21. Or I mean, I don't have the map, but you know what I mean? So, yeah. So I'm just throwing that out there. Um, yeah. So now there are potentially, if you do explore everything, three magic items that can be found. Only one of them is actually listed in the book. If you're playing from the hardcover or you're playing from the Dragon Plus, you're, only one of the items is listed. The other two items were added after the fact, as Craig talked about, as bonus. So again, if you're playing this at a store... Ask them if they have downloaded, if they've received a notification by email from the Adventurers League, because one of the things that they get is a two-page errata that tells them where to put the magic items, and it makes a few other modifications to the adventure. If they don't have these details, then your group essentially is losing out on potentially two magic items that are both exceptionally good items. And if you've played it at a store, you you should have the opportunity to try and find these items and, and get them as a reward. So just want to make sure everybody is aware of that. Indeed. Yeah. All right. So um, overall, what do you think of Death House? Would you would you replay it? Yeah, I would. I, th I think I had a lot of fun with it. Now, keep in mind as well, the group I had was very enthusiastic about it, so that certainly helped having a good group that they were experienced, they they really enjoyed it, they were really into it, so I had a lot of fun with it as a result. But I think it is well written, too. I, I agree. I think it's a solid mod. Um, I don't necessarily know if I would want to play it again. Uh, like if I, if I would definitely run it again as a DM, for sure. Um, but as a player, especially since it's milestones and you have to start with a level one character, it, it's a lot of hours to essentially end up with 900 experience points. Uh, because at the end of the mod, assuming your characters survive, they, they use the milestone to ding from level 2 to level 3. They score on their log that they now have 900 experience points, and then they play on as, you know, in any other Adventure League legal uh, game. 
Keeping in mind, though, that once you're in Ravenloft, you're stuck there until you find a way out. So, Yeah, although, you know what, I should clarify. I guess you did ask if I would play it again. Um, I would play it once, and then I probably wouldn't play it again, or at least not for a long time. But I would absolutely run it again several times. Yeah, and and like I said, I've had a chance to run it one time. I would absolutely play it if some, like, even though I have run it and read it and I know where stuff is. I mean, I, I would love yeah. to get the chance to do that, especially with a DM who's very enthusiastic about doing it. Um, I, I would obviously prefer to do it in a situation where there isn't a time limit, so we can really play up the you know the haunted house elements. But yeah, that's a big uh, thing that adds quite a bit. Yeah. So, okay. Um, I'm just looking at the clock here. Okay, let's let's dive into the suits of the mist then. So, Death House is great. It's the launch event. You play. You can play it at the stores. You can play it at home. But if you play at the stores, we've already talked about. There's other other benefits. Suits of the mist is now the first of 14 parts. Uh, they are the modules formerly known as Expeditions. Suits of the Mist is number one. It is set up exactly like the previous first adventures of the Expedition Seasons, where uh, it's five mini one-hour adventures that all tie together as part of a larger cohesive story. Um, each one, the characters can earn as much as 100 experience points, each maxing out at 500 at the end. It is restricted to level one and two characters only. It is definitely designed as an introductory mod. And this one, again, is written by uh, Sean Merwin, who's written the first one of each of the first uh, modules for the seasons. And it's another, in my opinion, it's another solid mod. Um, I, there's some tweaks to the way that the, that the adventures are tied together, which I really liked. Um, now, I will admit, the copy of Suits of the Mist that I had was an early release, and it definitely suffered from uh, a little bit of lack of editing. I know there was a rush to get it out for I want to think it was Origins. It was one of the conventions. They were really oh, under the it, gun. It was Winter Fantasy. There you go. And that was the version that I had pulled and so when we played it, the version I had definitely had some, some errors in it, which I believe have since been corrected. So if you have a copy of Suits of the Mist, especially if you've downloaded it from um, the DMs Guild website, uh, you may want to go in there and refresh it and, and download the new copy. I know one of the challenges I faced was um, some of the little mini mods. The um, the care like basically in each one you're looking for someone who's gone missing, and in some cases some of the NPCs and some of the people you're tracking the pronouns were not consistent. So in some cases it described it as a man, and in some cases it described it as a woman. I just sort of picked one and ran with it when I wasn't sure. But some of those characters will reappear in other modules, so. We had this. We had this happen just this week, where an NPC showed up, and I said, "Oh, you recognize this character from the previous mod?" And they all went, "No, we don't." And then I realized <laughs> it's because in the previous mod I had said it was a man, and in this mod it is very clearly a woman. So, it's not the end of the world. We just sort of hand waved it. But, um, you know, aside from the, that sort of minor criticism, uh, I think I think it's a great mod. The um, the general setup is the characters go to this inn. Um, they're told to uh, wait there uh, for their faction to provide them with additional details, but for now, just sort of keep your eyes and ears open. And it turns out that um, a, a group of travelers who have shown up about a week earlier had befriended the locals and then basically betrayed them by stealing stuff and then running off with it. And so each of the first four mini-mods, you're going after one of the four thieves, in, and they all ran in different directions, and each one, you have a specific objective to try and you know, find whatever it is they took, um, capture, if possible, the thief, and return the thief and the items back to the inn. You can do them in any order. 
doing them in any order over another order is not really uh, it doesn't really make a huge difference. It's not like last season where in one of them you get a silver weapon and in the next one you fight a werewolf or I think it's a weird jackal. And so if you play those out of order and you fight the weird jackal without the silver weapon, as my group did one night, it's it's almost a death sentence. These ones are very balanced. You run them in any order you see fit. Although I've now run this thing three, four times, three or four times now. They have almost there's two of the four that have consistently been the ones they have done first. Um, so I mean, again, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. Um, Craig, what do you think? Well, first of all. One thing I loved about this module is that the backdrop is that, in if you've been following up with Season 4, uh, the Adventures League uh, modules, the formerly known as Expedition ones, you know that the backdrop at the beginning of the season is that there's forces that are mustering together to go retake Flan. And if you've been playing Adventures League from the beginning, um, you'll remember Flan was the base of operations, essentially, in Season 1 expeditions. And uh, at the end of that season, uh, the, the Dragonfork and Shirax came in, otherwise known as the, vi- or the main virulence, uh, and basically decimated the city, took control of it completely, and drove most of the population out. And over the last couple seasons, that's been the case. Flan has been basically taken over by the dragon and no one can get to it because of all the other stuff, the elemental evil, out of the abyss, all the stuff going on, no one's really done anything about it since, but you always heard that there's these refugees from Flan. So that's sort of the backdrop, is that they're finally getting their force together and they're planning to retake it. Now, characters coming in, they're level one. They're not They're not necessarily coming to, to go storm the dragon city, right? But uh, they're there for various reasons. Some of them are just maybe hoping to... Uh, to cash in, see if uh, what other smaller jobs that they can do, or if they're there for their factions, like you said. Um, but basically, that's how they get there. And uh, there's also stories about what's happening at the crossing in. So that's also everyone just kind of assumes, oh, this is probably related to to the dragon. But once they get there, they they find out very soon that it's not. So I really like that. That's the backdrop, and that how it sort of ties and advances that plot line. Um, but like you said, it, this is the format is the same with the sort of uh, the essentially it's the five mini adventures, the four things you have to deal with first, and the, the the sort of finale to it. I thought they were really good. I thought they were fun. Uh, they were interesting, and there's also the, the fact that uh, you know you, you have to to watch how you, how you sort of portray everything here because it's basically the people at the end have this sort of perception of, of, of the thieves that they, they, they just they're just completely upset with the thieves but when you start to uh, recover these items and you start to get these, uh, these these thieves to come back you start to realize that there's actually more to the story they didn't just do it because they're bandits they had a reason for doing it and then the story starts to unravel a little bit you realize that there's something else going on yeah and um, so with the, I want to uh, offer some advice to people who maybe haven't run it yet, if for DMs. So there's the four mini mods. Um, there's uh, most of them. There's sort of like, if you want to think of it like the old D and D encounters, it's like there's two sort of mini encounters, usually a small one and then a larger one. And for the most part, you can get through them in 45 minutes to an hour. I mean, that's certainly the intent. But you can definitely stretch them out if you're not on the clock. But um, one of the ones, I think it's mission number three. Uh, you're trying to recover a wagon full of weapons. That one, I've run it, I think, three times now, and every time I've run it, it has gone really long. Yeah, that was a long one. I mean, it's a tough one anyway. It's got a lot of uh, uh, B 
beefy monsters in it. But that was one of the ones where there were definitely the, a need for some edits because in the first encounter it says you fight these monsters, and then in the second encounter you fight those monsters. But then as you're reading through the descriptions, the two encounters don't really seem to reference each other correctly. It almost seems like it was presented in a certain way, and then the author was maybe asked to go back and do rewrites, and they didn't update both sections properly. So again, if you're if you're reading it, you're trying to read through it, and you're like, this doesn't seem to make sense. Wherever you got it from, go back to that source and download a fresh copy because they have done some edits and some some redos to uh, clean up some of this stuff. But that one is is particularly tough. So my suggestion to DMs, especially if you're on the clock, um, try to run as many of these little four mini mods as you can without using a map and the miniatures. I mean, I love the maps and minis. Coming from 4th edition, I got more minis than I know what to do with. So I want to use them as often as possible. And the players love them. And in some situations, it certainly makes it easier. But I've run now all four of these scenarios, at some with the minis and some without. Without always goes faster. And never have we had any of the encounters where we have just done, uh, you know, sort of theater of the mind. Where anyone after the fact is sort of gone, oh man, that sucks, I really wish I had used the minis. Like, I, I can usually gauge the group pretty good, and if they're really confused, I'm certainly happy to pull out the minis, but um, if you're trying to get through a bunch, like we tried to get through the whole five parts over two weeks, and it, it just wasn't happening. So um, when we were trying to compress time, I just said, okay, we're going to do these without the minis. Um, the first one and the fourth one, absolutely you can do them without the minis, no problem. Second and third one, third one especially, you're probably going to want to use the map. Um, second one, you could probably go either way. So just something to keep in mind. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, no, I used a mix of uh, many sometimes and not others. But uh, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I think they were they were all well received by people. They were, I, th I thought each of them was, uh, they're well thought out. They're interesting too. And um, I mean, obviously you, you start to see a theme of, of, of why these uh, these people took what they did right but um yeah and then so without spoiling too much for people maybe who have played it although we told people who haven't played death house to stop listening so we may have <laughs> lost all the players by now it's just the dms anyway so the fifth one basically you could do one to four in any order you want and once you've completed all four that triggers number five which is the the grand finale and the grand finale, again, it's similar setup where there's sort of two encounters. The first one's sort of a small one, and then the second one is like the big finale one. Um, I found so that the first time I ran that, that number five scenario, I ran it exactly as printed, and it was confusing. It was confusing to me as the DM. It was confusing to the players. Um, there's monsters that make use of fog, and they can, you know, they can come in and out without uh, penalties, and it was really tough. The players had a hard time understanding it. I, I just felt that it was, I don't know, I, I didn't care for it myself. So when I ran it the second time, I didn't really press it too much. I sort of described it. The players were sort of like, we've got a reason not to really do this fight and just run away. I let them. Because the first time I sort of pressed on them, no, no, the monsters get in your way. You have to fight them. Which I don't like to do, but I didn't want them to feel like they were missing out. And it just, it felt really forced. So the second time, they were like, oh, you know, this stuff comes out of the mist. And they're like, okay, that's dangerous. We're just going to avoid that and go after the, the plot device. And that worked a lot better. So just, yeah. just something to keep in mind. 
I would agree with that too. That's sort of the way I felt about that particular part as well. Um, but you can also have fun with some of the stuff too. For example, there is one particular scenario where there's basically an NPC that everyone thinks, oh no, they put a curse on him and he's essentially he's catatonic and he just will not come out of it. Eventually you come back and it turns out, oh, he was just poisoned or something like that or he, I think he it was, just did something funny. Yeah, I think that's what they say is he... The, the 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 suspicion is one of the thieves cast a spell on him. He cursed him. So that's part of your secondary objective is bring the guy back so he can do the counter curse. And it turns out that the guy didn't curse him. He just gave him something to eat that he knew would knock him out. And he obviously just gave him too much. Yeah. So I altered that in mind a little bit. I decided that. So first of all, I had the the, the chef because it's the chef's assistant that's that's unconscious here basically. Um, but um, I had the chef was just cursing up a storm because he's so busy in the kitchen he doesn't have his assistant to help him and he keeps coming out and uh, basically the, the characters would order food and then you would hear him cursing in the back but, <laughs> <laughs> but they went back nice to go, touch yeah so they went back to go see and he was just like it was just the kitchen's a mess the food was just horrendous it, it made them not want to eat there anymore because like oh he's not really uh he's not washing take, his hands <laughs> yeah, he's not washing his hands he's not taking cleanliness too seriously yeah. right now um but uh, they also saw that the the cook's assistant was just sort of splayed out over some some uh, chairs and they were resting utensils and things on the on the guy who's catatonic as well so I, I had a little bit of fun with that uh, but once they got the guy back I instead of saying that oh yeah yeah we poisoned him and we knocked him out I had it that because there's another part of the, of the module too it's a little detail that when this uh, this this group got got to the, the end the guys who ended up thieving um, they one of them concocted a, a, like a basically like a a concoction for for the bartender there because uh, he had a headache and he drank it. Oh, good, my headache's gone. So it's just this little little detail there. So I made it so that the cook's assistant was actually a little bit of a drug addict. So he eventually they got into a friendship and he became his pusher. Yeah, it, hey buddy, I'll give you some stuff. Something like that. I, I basically had it where the, where the guy gave him some stuff, and he he said, "Hey, you shouldn't take too much of this. This is a uh, recreation use, but hey, you got to be careful." But the cook's assistant overindulged, and that's why he was out. So when he came back, uh, the characters at this point had uh, found out that that was the case. So when he, when he finally came to, uh, you know, everyone's like, "Oh, the curse is lifted! Oh, great, wonderful!" But and of course the uh, the NPC is like what what are you talking oh yes yes yeah it was a curse yes that's what it was yeah. but then of course the characters were able to intervene and like clear the the name of uh, of the the you know all the 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 bad will being flung towards the uh, the thieves but anyhow yeah. it was just an, an you make a couple of changes like that but ultimately though even though I just said I made a change I'd be careful about making too many changes because. Like you were saying earlier, Derek, some of these characters are going to come back or have an effect on later in the season. Absolutely. But I, I like I actually really like your little change. And as we discussed, now, you didn't tell me that I'd run that one twice before you had mentioned that. And I'm like, oh, man, that would have been so much better. Um, so that's one of those ones that I really wish you would have shared earlier. So <laughs> if I have to run it again, I am absolutely doing that. Yeah, it worked out well for because uh, I've run that one twice too, and everyone enjoyed it both times. So. Nice. Now, one of the other changes I will suggest is in mission number five. So once you've done the four, you go into the fifth one. There are some NPCs, new NPCs that that are brought into the scene, and 
I found it a little bit odd. Like, the, it sort of felt forced. Like, hey, these new guys showed up. It's like, well, of course they're going to be part of this story. They're here for the first time. It's like when you're watching a TV show, and it's like, and on this episode, we have very special guest, some Oscar winner who's on an episode of Law & Order. And you're like, well, of course that guy's the murderer. You don't bring on a big-named actor and not give him a juicy part. Yeah. Um, so I think what I might have done differently or what I might do differently if I run it again is read ahead. And in Mission 5, there's – I think it's like a mother and her children that show yeah. up. I would either say that maybe they've been to the inn already and they had to leave or that they say – the people in the inn are like, there are still people coming – keep a watch out especially lady blah 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 and her children should be coming shortly because her husband is away or just allude to the fact that this person is going to show up later so that when she does there isn't this immediate suspicion of like well who's this and you know who are these kids and what's going on here like sort of play up again you don't have to spend a lot of time on it but just sort of throw those hints in early and then when the guys come up later the players sort of go oh yeah right and they don't really feel that it's like here's this brand new thing that's been introduced pay attention to it um so anyway that's just my two cents worth now i agree totally with that yeah so suits of the mist uh it's for level one and two and it's part one it's the first of 14 modules so again formerly known as expeditions now they're just called the dd adventures league modules um this is part one and at the end of this this one, the characters end up in Ravenloft. You know, I don't think it's a spoiler, but at the end of the final mod, the mists surround them, and then when they come out, they realize, oh my god, we're in Ravenloft. Well, they don't realize they're in Ravenloft, but they realize they're not where they think they are supposed to be. Yeah. The next module, The Beast, which is the second one, which we'll talk about next time, it picks up right there. It starts with the characters stepping out of the mist, and the scene that's described at the end of Suits of the Mist is almost identically the same scene that's described at the beginning of The Beast, and that's my understanding of how the modules are going to work is it is very much a linear connected story. So strongly encourage players to continue to play the same character all the way through if they can. And definitely encourage them to play them in order, assuming that you're in a, a public play environment where they're being offered regularly and probably in order anyway. Um, now, that's not to say you can't play them out of order. Obviously, Suits of the Mist, you got to play first because it's level one and two only. But as you start to progress through the other mods, um, it, you definitely get the most out of it if you play them in order because you don't want us to ro- uh, ruin it and, and give yourself spoilers. If you play number three before you play number two, at number three, they talk about the events of number two. So if you go back and play it, it's like, oh, yeah, of course this happens. That guy told me about it already. So yeah, yeah just keep that in mind. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as we uh, when we discuss the Beast and the Executioner in our next show. Yeah, and this is a little new for the uh, for the Adventures League for the Moon Sea based mods that used to be called Expeditions. They used to have a little bit of a the shared NPCs and sort of a, a vague storyline going on, but uh, this in this case it's a lot tighter. So yeah, we'll see Excellent. how it goes. But so far so good. I, I, early uh, early review of the Beast before we actually talk about it. I really liked it. Yeah, me too. I've, I mean, I've had a chance to play probably two-thirds of the mods that have been released since the beginning, and the Beast is definitely, you know, prob- it definitely in my top ten. Uh, I would arguably put it in the top five for the one to four mods, but again, we'll, we'll talk about it more next time. So just a little yep. teaser for maybe people who haven't had a chance to play it yet. If it's being offered at your store, definitely take that opportunity. Um, one other thing I want to remind people of, and I think we'll probably remind people of this as we do the next few shows as well, Adventures League, there is the Adventures League Player's Guide. It's a PDF. It's like about 10 pages. You download it for free. It's available at the Adventures League website. And 
it provides everything players and DMs need to know about how public play may be different from home play. And it just reminds you of some of the rules and regulations, things like when building a new character, you cannot roll stats. When building a new character, you cannot take the gold option. You have to take equipment based on class and background. Just things like that to ensure consistency. One of the things that's in there, and again, this is totally allowed anyway, but it, it, it emphasizes it, between adventures. So if you're playing Suits of the Mist and you finish it and you're going to play the Beast next week, between adventures, characters are allowed to purchase items. And I think the exact wording is something like, you can purchase mundane items. So if your character plays all of the five parts of Suits of the Mist, they're probably going to end up with about two or 300 gold, depending on the size of the party. That per character, that is. That's a lot of cash for a level one guy. So if all you had was the starting equipment, and you've realized along the way, hey, I could really use a something that I don't have, you absolutely are allowed to just purchase it, pay for it, put it on the character sheet, record it on your ventures log that you spent the money, and away you go. Even if in the course of the continued game, it doesn't really seem to make sense. Hey, I was in the mist. Last week I stepped out of the mist. This week I stepped out of the mist. Where did I have time to shop for this stuff? Don't the the, the mist shop, of course. Yeah, of course. Huh. Don't sweat it. Event, you just have to hand wave that because characters will need to have an opportunity to resupply and re-equip. I know for my group we had like two guys upgrade their armor. One guy needed a bow. Uh, one guy wanted to buy some daggers. We could do throwing daggers. They wanted to buy more rations. They needed a lantern. You know, just regular run-of-the-mill, regular kind of equipment, as long as it's not magical. Now, holy water and potions of healing are both listed under mundane equipment. Those, I would probably just mention to the DM, hey, I had 200 gold, and I picked up two healing potions. You're, are you cool with that? And again, the DM should be a okay with that, but I know in the past we've had some players that have really abused that, and they're walking around with 50 healing potions, so yeah, just be reasonable about it. Um, so yeah, look over the equipment stuff. If there's anything you think your character could benefit from, especially if you've got cash, definitely pick it up. Uh, in the course of the modules themselves, there are opportunities to spend your money, but you're going to find the opportunities are few and far between, and the, the variety of what is available is considerably less in the course of play between modules anything in the book goes as long as it's not magical and as long as you can afford it so just want to throw that out there yep and also since you mentioned it there is the adventures league players guide but this season they also have a separate dms guide as well yes so, so. um yeah i mean obviously if you're dm read it uh, if you're a player though i suggest just sticking to the players guide there's some cool stuff in the dms guide that uh, you don't want to spoil yourself on um but if you're a DM, definitely pick that or download that. They're all free, and like I said, it's 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 not a huge huge read. So it's not like you have to spend like uh, several days studying it. But uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, it'll give you some good detail about Adventures League. Awesome. Okay, well, we ran a little bit longer than we expected to, but I think we covered some good stuff this week. Next week, we'll talk about the Beast and the Executioner, which are modules number two and modules number three. Those ones are designed for characters level one to four, and they continue on with the story that began in Suits of the Mist. Now, new characters can jump in at any point, assuming that they're level appropriate. So if you've got players that maybe had a level three or a level four character from a previous season, and they were not eligible to play Suits of the Mist because they were too high a level, and they want to jump in, they are absolutely allowed to do so. But keep in mind, the modules are being released in a linear order, so the first 
six or seven are going to be level one to four characters. If the if the player characters jump in and you know level four, they may level out before they get to those next set of mods. So strongly encourage characters to come in with new characters. I strongly encourage players rather to come in with new characters. But if not, uh, if they've got a level appropriate character from a previous season, they are absolutely allowed to bring them in. So for example, we have a guy we played the beast this week. He had a level three character who was a fire genasi from the Prince of the Apocalypse season. Now, new characters coming into this season are not allowed to make characters using those options. But this is a character that was already created using the appropriate options for that previous storyline. So that guy's fine to play through. So just be, and this is all covered in players, uh, Adventures League Players Guide. So just throwing that out there as well. Indeed. Okay. So. Let's uh, wrap this up. So uh, I'm Derek Myers. You can uh, follow me on Twitter at underscore uh, at under. <laughs> you think I know my own Twitter handle? <laughs> at Ameron underscore DM. That's A M E R O N underscore DM. Uh, and you can uh, read my blog posts on DungeonsMaster.com. We are back in business. We are doing regular weekly updates to our Adventures League play. Uh, so some of what we've covered here on the podcast, you'll be able to find in more detail. There's also lots of other great uh, articles and resources on there. And Craig, what's your uh, what's your Twitter ID there, pal? It is at Fee Roper. That's F E E R O P E R. There we go. So until next time, have a blast. Indeed.